We're so excited to have Kate, the founder of the Motherload Group on the first series of the Mama Magic podcast, brought to you by the Glow Mama Awards. The Glow Mama Awards are the first People's Choice Awards celebrating the achievements of mothers on social media. Starting in the UK, Glow Mama is a global movement celebrating motherhood and amplifying our unique stories in the digital age. We are proud to bring exclusive off-the-grid content, exploring Glow Mama finalists and winners' unique journeys and experiences of motherhood. Get to know the mamas off the grid without the filters, reels, music in the background. Raw and honest conversations with the mamas that we follow on the grid. So you were nominated for Best Facebook Group in the third annual Glow Mama Awards and Best Community Group at the fourth annual Glow Mama Awards. What do these nominations mean to you and the Motherload community? Oh my God, it is so amazing to be nominated for a Glow Mama because it really, well, one, there are loads of awards out there, aren't there, that we know you buy a place in. <laughs> and the Glow Mama is, is really unique in that, that it's been voted, you are voted as a nominee by people who are in your community or who follow you or who listen to you like it comes from those who are interacting with you and that for me is like such a massive kudos it's like people really saying well done you know we see you and we get what you're doing and we love it and we want other people to love it too so what an absolute privilege it is whenever yeah, both nominations have been amazing. I've added them to my CV. Like, I, I think they are brilliant. Yes. Yeah, they're brilliant. No, well, yeah. you know, you're, you're a mother of three, and you started the Motherload in, is it 2015? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah. Why was it important for you to start this community, you know, in the first place? Well, um, it's a similar, I suppose a similar um, and for quite familiar story for a lot of us that when I, back in 2015, my uh, middle, now middle, um, Maggie was the most horrendous sleeper and my mental health was at a real rock bottom. I had PND, I had PTSD that was from my birth trauma, I had severe anxiety, the work. And I went on to a very well-known mom forum, very large mom forum, and I shared how I was feeling, which was in the middle of the night, and I was feeling absolutely like, like at the, probably one of my lowest ebbs. And I shared there and just said, is this normal? Like how, the way I'm feeling, I feel like I'm not connecting. I feel like there's a problem with the bond. And, and what I got back was this, like um passive aggressive like response of you should be grateful you're a mother you are now going back to 2015 we didn't really have like the culture that we have now of really one mental health was only really just being Mm. talked about in you know before we've seen this curve over the last sort of seven eight years but also you know, I think there was still a lot of judgments in mom communities. Yeah. And, you know, we hadn't really even got to fish finger gate by then. You know, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know there was there was a lot of guilt. There was a lot of shame on on mom forums. 
and I really felt it. And so I just thought there has to be, there has to be a better way than this. Like this cannot be all that there is. And I was aware of like, you know, when I met up with my friends, we were very honest with each other about motherhood, but that wasn't what I was finding in online communities. And so I thought, oh, I'll just set up a group with eight of my mom mates. And um, yeah, at least then I've got somewhere in the middle of the night to write down how I'm feeling while I'm doing a night feed and it's horrendous. And um, the group, like from what was initially like about really sharing those thoughts actually became a really funny, like brilliantly um, energizing group of other women, mostly my mates, who um, I think just also felt the same, but they wanted like a funny outlet as well. We didn't want to take it, you know, like some of these things were really deep and dark at times. But alongside was some ridiculously funny, you know, com comedy, because women are very, very funny when we're together. You know, exactly. more than your best mates, do they? And it's so and important. that dark humour as well. And it's so important to have that humour yeah. and to be able to laugh. Yeah. Um, when I think of some of, you know, when you're talking that really resonates, you know, when you're in that real dark time and you're battling between your own mental health and then society's expectations on who you should be and how you yeah. should act. And sometimes humour is the only way that you can get you can get through it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, so that was like that was the very beginning. And then just gradually people started adding their their friends who they thought would get it. And um, so we grew from eight members to 110. We're now 110,000 on Facebook. Wow. So, yeah, so it's really, it's been something, definitely. And it's... Um, but, sorry, I have to pause because, you know, we're talking about, you know, one woman. We started off with one woman who yeah. went on to, a, yeah, went on to a parenting um, platform and didn't feel well-received in terms of, you know, your story um, and what you were going through. You then, um, you spoke about a platform, it was, you went onto Facebook, that, that's correct, yeah? Um, Facebook, um, as a result, um, you know, with eight of your friends. And just from then, from 2015 until now, that yeah. is over 110,000 yeah. women. <laughs> I feel like we can't skirt around that. We can't, that's not something <laughs> that you can just like, drop it in and then like move <laughs> on know, to the next subject it, it is so weird because even though it's such a vast group I think because I just get my head down and just keep on going and keep on running it and I never it's it's very rare that I stop and think god that's a lot of people that is a lot of women <laughs> Um, and every now and then I'll like you know just kind of get like a sense check of what that looks like and it and I recently found that we wouldn't even we'd need 20,000 more seats than Wembley offers. Like, mm. <laughs> I was like, so we'd need the O2 and Wembley to accommodate all of the members of the motherland. And that was like a real, wow, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And why do you feel like it has grown so much? And, you know, what, what do you think is the key to the success? Because it's not easy to grow Sorry. a platform, number one, yeah. and number two, to keep it so engaged, like over yeah. 
you know, what, five, no, seven years, sorry, you know, time's yeah, yeah. going so quickly, I can't keep up, but no. um, to keep, to keep that many people so engaged and so interactive, and I've also seen it's a private group, you know, this yeah. is like a private um, membership group, really, that anyone can join, of course, um, how do you do, what's the, what's the key to the success? I think it's authenticity, and I think it's about allowing women to have a voice, and, you know, when they don't feel that actually, you know, that they, that society gives them a voice at that point in their lives. I don't know. I think, I don't know about you, but I think when you become a mom, or certainly when I became a mom, I felt like a, an element of invisibility suddenly happened, you know, and especially when I was poorly with PND, that suddenly people you know for example in hospital as soon as you've had the baby they're like and how's mom well how's Kate you know like where does my name suddenly go just mm. because I became someone's mom two hours ago and I think the mother like, yeah. has managed to somehow just give women that sense of belonging and you know, taking away an edge of the loneliness, especially through the pandemic, which has been horrendous for all of us. But I think it's, um, it's become a space that women feel they can trust, you know, and they feel that they belong within. And, and I think that's what we're all looking for to a degree of just a feeling of belonging. When we look at the motherload community and we look at the success that you guys have been able to achieve organically, you know, it wasn't something you were looking for, but, you know, 110,000 women have come banging through the virtual Facebook door. Um, what are you guys doing that other maternity um, statutory services are missing? And what I mean by that is, you know, there's, yeah. that, there's that, you know, 110,000 women, they're coming to you guys for a reason they're, they're you know they're coming to be a part of that community group for a, a, a reason early one you said about you know you were suffering from postnatal depression and mental health and you had so many different traumas why didn't you feel that you could go to other services why did you feel like you needed to create your own well in fairness i did and i i think um you know, I, I did have really fabulous therapy on the NHS that, that was life changing, but I had to wait a long time. You know, the wait lists are absolutely horrendous, especially now. And it takes a big, it's a big moment to admit that you're ill. Like it's it takes a lot of courage to go to the doctors and to answer that questionnaire and to say you know i i need help and i think um making that step is often i tell you what as well women are trained we are trained from when we are young to not be a bother and i think when then we have kids mm -hmm. as well we um prioritize their need over our own and we get into this loop with ourselves where we're like am i ill am i this is this the way that motherhood is just supposed to feel maybe i'm just stressed maybe i've just unslept rather than I need help and this is an illness that I've got you know and and I need some support so I, I'm not sure I think there are the third sector and uh, therapeutic support is, is has been eroded by our government you know the su financial support for those um, areas especially in maternal care are absolutely horrendous and from the pandemic, you know, that has been 
a huge issue for women, especially to be accessing care. And when you look at the way that women have been treated through the pandemic, through giving birth, through pregnancy, through reduced maternal care, you know, uh, maternity services because of guidelines and because of regulations, it's um, it's it's going to have a detrimental effect on our our mental well-being. And I think really the mother load provides a peer support. And I think we always need peer support. We always need a village. We always need that community. But I I think probably we've seen more growth over the last couple of years because you know of the lack of services. And we've been able to provide that to some degree. I don't, I'm not ever going to replace a medical professional or even pretend to, you know, be providing a service that replaces psychotherapy or anything. But I do think that peer support has its place and it's an important place yeah. for a lot of women. And I think, you know, you touched on the fact that you had had, you know, really good um, therapy um, and counselling and, you know, when I think of peer support, I think of it as going alongside. It's not a yeah. either or really, is it? It's, you know, the kind of um, relationship or the kind of um, experience you will have with your therapist or your, your counsellor, it's completely yeah. different to being in that, in that kind of peer support environment where you're being signposted to, you know, a new soft play area or it could even be something like where to get your new lipstick or it could be you know for the Beyonce fans out there you know sometimes you might be in a peer support setting and you don't want to talk about your kids at the moment you might start talking yeah. about something completely random it might be about you know a, a musician or somebody else that you really enjoy but having that safe space where you can show up as a mum unapologetically get the support from your peers and still be Kate, still be Agnes. I think that only can enhance um, counselling and therapy. It, can't, yeah. it, it, will never, it will never replace, um, but it, it's something that is such an important tool to enhance that, that, yeah. that very vital um, service that we all need. Yes. Um, yeah, I think you've, you hit the nail on the head that, you know, we, we have to have a holistic um, approach really to motherhood that sort of does pick up the maternal mental health professionally but also offers support and that you know we've really lost the village especially yeah. in the west you know we've lost the village for women um, through motherhood and I think you know online communities and of course, real life stuff as well. But, you know, from the motherload perspective, online communities are such an important, a very valid, valid or, or place where you can find that validation that you need to be the mum you want to be. And that's a, that is a hugely important thing to me is that we really promote the idea of choice in motherhood, because I think there are many places out there that will tell you how to parent or they're dedicated to one sort of method. And the mother load really is about, you know, empowering you to be the mom you want to be. So whatever that looks like for you, whether you are breastfeeding, whether you're formula feeding, whether you are, you know, going, I don't know, doing elimination communication from birth or whether you're going to keep them in nappies until yeah. they're 16 because you can't be out of the <laughs> whatever that looks like. 
maybe a bit earlier than 16 but whatever <laughs> that looks like you know to you that that for me is the mo one of the most important things that we can do to nurture each other is to respect our each other's choices yeah and I, I think we don't see that enough even now yeah and it is, is true I mean we're all so different irrespective of the communities and backgrounds and that means we are going to parent different and it is yeah. about being able to have a safe space where you can parent and be you and still yeah. have your individual individualism and still connect with other mothers and and you kind of see where where you're similar and where you differ but in a safe yeah. space where it's not differing in a in a under the guise of judgment really yeah because um, yeah. that doesn't do anything for anyone it doesn't it doesn't serve any interest no it doesn't it really doesn't that idea of like guilting women into you know parenting in one way or another i think it just it just creates more emotional damage you know and and um and, yeah that can't be good for women that can't be good for our kids that can't mm. be for you know their future and yeah I, I hope really that the mother load is influential in in kind of combating that a little bit yeah. and I say combating and shaping it because we're this is such a new um sector I don't dare I say if it's a sector but as you said 2015 in the bigger scheme of things is not a long time no. ago but the yeah. way that this online community, um, you know, this whole kind of world of online communities, motherhood has exploded. Yeah. It, like 2015 could have been 1700s in, in, in that yeah. sense, in terms of the way that it's progressed. Yeah, um, it still at the beginning of something really exciting. And I think none of us can put a hand on what that is, but we know we're going in the right direction. Oh, I completely agree. I think, yeah, we don't. I mean, we're we're coming in out of like the pandemic, or, or well, we're trying to come out of the pandemic. Yeah, we're trying. You know, a lot of I've got a three-year-old, and my youngest is three, and so he has been in lockdown for a large proportion of his life, and seeing how he now adapts to this new world, you know, after not really socialising with other kids and. You know, there's a lot of different dilemmas that mums are facing or women, you know, are facing as, as guardians and mums and or parents in general actually are facing, you know, and it's, um, I think we don't know what's going to come next, you know, I think we, but I just hope that it's still steeped in so much support because the great thing about all of this stuff that everyone is doing, you know, is that it's reaching reaching mums in a different way it's reaching mums in a way that is really relatable and it's making a difference as a result and that can only be a good thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, you know in in light in light of what you've just said there you know where do you see the mother load going in the next three to five plus years What's the future for the mother loads? I've actually just started on the new plan for the mother loads. And, um, Ooh, are we going to get exclusives? Are we going to get exclusives? <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think the thing for me is, you know, Facebook has been a great home for a long time, but it has, um, it has a lot of limitations. You know, one, people are moving away from Facebook like in their droves now you know whether that's that they've always preferred 
um, Instagram, whatever, but we're seeing a huge shift off the platform. And we're, we're starting to see that, you know, in just less active, really low reach and stuff. So, you know, that has been a concern for a little while. But more than that, I think there's also a bit of an ick around Facebook. <laughs> you know, I hate to say, but, you know, Meta's, um, some of Meta's ethics perhaps don't ma massively align with my own. And I think there has to come a time where you kind of go, is this the right home for it? flourishing and also you know you know with people moving away but also people not being on Facebook that's you know I would like to think that people would find the motherload wherever but they then you know we need a centralized home that's away from all of these platforms so I think for me that's the next step really is sort of finding a new home for the motherload for the motherload in a way that it can really flourish and it can really support you know parents in a different way and in a much more um holistic way but also you know is run as an enterprise you know a proper yeah. enterprise as opposed to just a, a facebook group so yeah so that's that's probably the next stage for the mother loads you know what that looks like it sounds, it's it, sounds so, it sounds so exciting you know i think that's the beauty of it when you started, um, just like us with the Glow Mama Awards, um, yeah. myself personally, very organic. You don't have yeah. any idea that it can grow into anything no. more than just so a small true. little, um, you know, the, the small little platform that you've created. And then mm. it's exploded. And then I think to then be at the stage where you're, it's grown so big that you actually have to yeah. look for a new home. Yeah. You know, you've done good. You be, that's yeah. a, I always say that's a good, that's a good problem to have. Yeah, right? it is a good problem. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's a problem, Absolutely. but nevertheless, it's a, it's a good problem. Um, yeah. I think as well, you know, it's just, it also gives us a chance to, there's something really nice in, in kind of re-kickstarting something, you know, and growing it in a slightly different way. And, and I find that really exciting, you know, because I can't reach all of my members at the moment. And that is, that for me, like is isn't something that I really wanted you know I wanted to be able to be within the community my myself and um and this you know if we can find a new home for it if we can find an, a a place that you know we can call our own I think that um that gives us a lot more autonomy about you know the kind of content that we have and the discussions that we have and you know, not just being about weaning and pooping, but, you know, what about what happens when you become like a parent to a teen? Mm. You know, and where's the support for that? Because they're still keeping you up at night. It's just a <laughs> way. But, or, you know, what about the preteen age group where they, you know, starting to become more hormonal? They're starting to push boundaries. Mm. Because, you know, they want more support. Or, you know, stuff for schools, stuff about our own development, the mental load, work. You know, and then big topics start, you know, as well, like parenting, you know, like anti-racism parenting, for example. Mm -hmm. You know, that's something absolutely huge within our community at the moment, but we're not reaching enough people. <laughs> and that's what yeah. has changed. So, yeah, yeah, there's loads of stuff that I want to do and Facebook is just limiting now. So, yeah, yeah it's an exciting next step, let's hope. Well, let's hope. <laughs> well to everyone listening make sure your eyes are peeled on on, on the motherload because I, i've got a feeling 
a suspicious feeling that there's going to be some announcements. I don't want to say too soon because I don't want to put pressure, <laughs> but I feel like there will be some really exciting announcements coming. I out. hope so. I hope so. So, Kate, we've spoken a lot about the motherload um, and obviously your story to, you know, getting the motherload to where it is today, which has been a massive, you know, an, an over massive. I feel like massive doesn't do the word justice. It's been a humongous achievement. It is so lovely. Get, Thank you. <laughs> no, to get to a stage, it is. That's 110,000 mm -hmm. women that you've got in a, in a space um, that actively have sought the motherload out. You know, it's not... Yeah. If, if that is as real as it can be um but I want to talk a little bit about you and actually before you came on this show you know I did a bit of digging around about Kate you know who is Kate you know we, we know about the mother load but who is the, the the woman behind it and there was this word that came up and I want you to speak a little bit more about it and about your story when we talk about and I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing it toxoplasmosis Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so toxoplasmosis. So um, I, I, I've never heard about it before. I heard about it when I was obviously researching um, about you. And obviously, we want to get to know more about you now, you know, but the, yeah. the, the lady behind um, the mother load. Talk yeah. to me about, 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 so I'm going to say it again, toxoplasmosis. toxoplasmosis. Am, am I, I pronouncing <laughs> it right? Can, we, can you say it again slowly for anybody else? Yeah, it's toxoplasmosis. It's not, this isn't something that really affects my life very much, but it does, um, basically, it's something that we're all um, routinely warned about in pregnancy, and I don't think we really think about it beyond maybe a help leaflets uh, that you're shoved or you shove into your notes and you never think about it again but you know when you're pregnant that the midwives say to you don't handle uh, cat feces if have you got kitten have you got a cat have you got a cat's litter tray or anything don't change the litter tray don't pick up poop in the garden for example you know and be careful with very raw steak uh, is where it can also be uh, come from when I was in my mum's womb when I was in utero um, my mum had kittens and she was changing their cat litter and this is like way back in the 80s in 1980 and the warnings weren't there in the same way that they are now and um, she contracted toxoplasmosis as a result in pregnancy of what they think from changing the cat litter and uh, it affected my left eye so I have very reduced um, uh, sight in my left eye. I'm partially sighted. Um, I have a small slither that's just on this peripheral vision here. Um, but otherwise, I don't have any sight in the eye. And when on the pictures in the like in the opticians, it's always like an eclipse of the back wow. of the retina, which, yeah, uh, is always fascinating to see. But it's not degenerative. You know, it is what it is. It happened when I was very, I've grown up with the eyesight I've got. I've never known anything different. Um, I suppose technically it would be considered a, dis a disability, but I'm not even sure I really think of it as that, you know, I was, you know, toxoplasmosis can affect babies in, in you know, quite severe ways. So the fact that I have it just in uh, as partial, you know, it's, it's affecting my eyesight and, and made me partially sighted is actually, you know, a blessing, not something to, I suppose, that I would feel 
like that I would necessarily dwell on or certainly did I mean don't get me wrong there have been moments in my life where it's been a bit annoying like I can't judge the speed of an, uh, something coming to my face so wow so what about so when, when the I was playing netball is it yes exactly yes. so when I was like playing netball and the other kids realize that there are a lot of balls <laughs> <laughs> to the face oh my god that's like a quote isn't it <laughs> but, <laughs> netball to anyone listening <laughs> but um yeah but, uh yes yeah, so it, it's it yeah it's a it's a thing and i i definitely like think about you know on like world site day i do think there should be a bit more awareness and people talking about it perhaps but um, it's just, it's not something that I um, sort of like label myself with or anything. It's just one of those things, you know, luckily it's, that's all it was. I think it's, it's good to know, you know, there's so many different terms that you hear, you know, especially when you're pregnant and you get all these leaflets yeah. shoved into your hand and, and so forth. Um, and I just found it really interesting. And, and again, even now when you're saying that there's different levels or degrees to it I've got three kids myself I I I never knew I'm telling you I'm I'm literally learning this from you right now what are the levels of extremities obviously on one side it might be that somebody um a a pregnant woman catches um catches it and she has no symptoms at all and no symptoms on the baby Um, but on the extreme side you know when you say extreme side what does that mean I'm not I'm not 100% sure if I'm totally honest I think it causes developmental delay and, and it can cause some physical disability um I've never really looked into it enough I know that I have it I know that what my you know the result of it in me um you know and and this is all it is is it's presented in this physical thing in my eye so um, but you're right, it, it actually generally is symptomless in pregnant women or it presents as a cold. So you're not nef- necessarily going to know that you've had it until you have later blood work done and then they can pick it up. Um, and my mom, we didn't know that I had, you know, my mom had had it and I had um, the effect of my eye until I was uh, walking as a toddler and I I couldn't walk down I didn't walk downstairs properly because I couldn't judge the step depth. Mm. Um, and I would feel my foot for the next for the step you know I, I I didn't even grow up really knowing what it was there was this note that used to sit on on our notice board that the doctor had first written it down for my mom on and she'd kept it and just stuck it onto the notebook I think it's still there now <laughs> this brave <laughs> little tatter piece of paper um and yeah I mean I, I vaguely would ask what, about it occasionally my mum didn't really know what it was either and just sort of said well that's what's happened to your eye and it was never I, I didn't have a lot of allowances made for me you know I wasn't very yeah. good at like we're saying it's sports and stuff and um I was just like you know just get on with it kind of thing and yeah and yeah. And so now, yourself, fast forward, you're a mum of three as well. Yeah, I am, yeah. And, and how old are your children? So I have Bess, who's 10, I have Maggie, who is eight, and Ted, who is three. Wow, wow. And how have their kind of birthing experiences differed 
Um, well, Bessie as the artist was really traumatic. I, I, um, I had, I'd hoped, as we all do, to have like mm-hmm. a very normal birth. I went to the, all the birth preparation classes and, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't at first really even from then about, you know, I was like a big fan of the drugs trolley quite early on. I was, you know, give me it all. I don't know <laughs> what it is. But I didn't really anticipate like having intervention probably. Um, and that had sort of got into my psyche. So um, it it was a very long, it, I was in labour for 62 hours, 63 hours. Oh, because they didn't realise that Bess, Bess is, instead of like being, I'm just thinking this is audio, so like instead of being like in normal position with chin down, her neck was deflexed, so her chin was up. And at one point they examined me and they were saying, oh, she's completely bald and she came out with hair. And it was because the whole time they were looking at her, her forehead because of her neck being deflexed. So she basically got stuck and we ended up um, in a crushed emergency section and uh, I had a lot of blood loss. So I had to have transfusions afterwards. So then I had bowel failure on top of that. And uh, it was just, it was an absolute mess. And I don't think we talk to women enough about the reality of birth, you know, and the reality that, you know, this very nurturing, lovely, experience that you are taught through in birth prep classes you know which is about surges and deep breathing and all Mm. that actually can be wildly different and I say wild because it is wild it is a Mm. like primal experience that happens to you and if something goes wrong I think it I think it actually interferes with that primal instinct Mm. and that causes you know, I think my, my, yeah, my mind went all over the place afterwards, but I didn't have any therapy. Um, it was a case of, I just, I actually faked it till I made it kind of thing. And I didn't really bond with her for a long time. And I, like, I just, I really didn't think I was a natural mom because of it all. And then I remember being in a cafe. I might cry in a minute. Um, (laughs) I remember being in a cafe with her next to me in the pram and I felt so detached from her for so long. She was asleep and I looked at her in the pram asleep and just just this wave of love hit me for the first time. She was about 11 months old mm-hmm. and it just completely consumed me. And I think that then sort of lifted, lifted me sufficiently out of the... Um, the the depression or the you know the or whatever it was at that okay point. if you need to take a minute if you need to take I'm a okay minute. I'm okay I'm sure <laughs> anyway, but, I think of that tiny little face in the but, but she's, she's not got a massive face because she's ten <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so, so she hasn't got a massive face by the way she's got no, a, she's very, a cute little face. face um yeah but I I then I had Maggie and that's when it all you know it all came into a crushing reality um and I had antenatal depression I saw I was referred to maternal uh psychotherapy I think it was at the time um 
and that was it was okay but I was I didn't really understand the root of it and I think they thought it was a hormonal shift rather than a traumatic response and so um, it took another year and a half after that after Maggie was born to be properly diagnosed but you know going back to what I was saying earlier I was extremely lucky even though the weight and the 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 the, not only the weight but the um horrendous horrendous like having to tell new people all the time about what's happening to you every time you talk to another service you have to go back to the beginning and reopen this awful pandora's box that you're trying to desperately keep you know shut but that um yeah that's that that psychiatry that I had in the end was was absolutely remarkable and 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 it saved my life without a doubt it saved my life but Maggie's birth, going back to what you actually asked, Maggie's birth was actually pretty lovely. It was a planned C-section, and that was very nice. But I think Ted's, like, because I'd had a break, we not a break, <laughs> not had a break. What I mean, <laughs> <laughs> after I'd had the psychiatry for uh, the PTSD and whatever, the... Um, you know, Matt and I had talked about having another baby and obviously, you know, it had just been so much that at first he was like, oh God, no. And we talked and we talked and we talked and we talked some more and we argued about it and I got very upset and frustrated about it. And then we talked about it and then we were in a pop garden one day and he's just said, let's, let's have another baby. So we, <laughs> we had Ted and his birth was incredible because it was so incredibly healing from what had come before and we say healing what was it for you that made that made it feel healing well I think I was more empowered I felt more in control it was another planned section because of stuff that had come before uh in other births so I felt more able, I knew what was gonna happen. And so I felt more empowered to ask the right questions, you know? And so right from the off, I said to them, you know, I need, I need this to be healing. I need it to be a good experience as much as we can control it, you know? And I need you to help me have this, this birth you know that I want and so they were very sensitive to it they were very sensitive to you know giving the the drapes down so I could see like this you know I could have this connecting moment when he was born um you know there was just so much more sensitivity um skin to skin you know immediately the placenta was allowed to stay attached instead of just being cut straight away it was a, it, you know, they took their time and it was a really, really therapeutic moment in its own right. So, yeah, I'm glad I'm, I'm not going to go back. <laughs> Is there a fourth one coming? Is this a new exclusive? Well, no, I've had a hysterectomy, so there's definitely no more. There's, <laughs> there's no, nothing in there to grow <laughs> So. I would, I, I tell you what, Agnes, after Ted's birth, I probably would have gone on forever having babies, but wow. I was like, no more, no more babies, <laughs> I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> but you know what, now that you've reflected, I mean, you've had these three births with 
differing experiences, um, both kind of during the pregnancy and also afterwards. And I really, it, it's really good to hear that when you got the kind of right counseling and therapy yeah. support for your trauma, it was so good, but it didn't happen earlier on. Um, no. What are some of the things that you think now, looking back in hindsight, that could have aided? Like when you talked about Bessie, your firstborn, and you said that it took 11 months and then, you know, you were really emotional and I was emotional seeing you be emotional um, when it kind of dawned in you and that kind of flood of, you know, that kind of flood of love. Not that you didn't love her before, of course you did, but that kind of connection just came at you. Um, what do you think could have happened to have expedited that process for you, you know, now that you know so much more? I think, I, I think, I think we've got to have conversations about this stuff. We've got to have more conversations about birth trauma. We've got to, and it's hard because it's so triggering for so many women when we do talk about it, that it, it kind of gets not just shut down because that, but because women are terrified of having that experience themselves. Um, but also, I think we have to talk about when the bond isn't there, you know, and it's it's not about gratitude. It's not about your you failed in your maternal instincts, and and yet it, the shame is still there, you know, around it. I think though we need to understand that that is a very normal trauma response, you know, when you have been through an absolutely horrific labour. If you've been through like this like this very vulnerable primal moment of your life that was interrupted by trauma you know i think we've got to we've got to understand that for women it like it really really can affect them for a very long time and consequently the bond with their baby can be affected this this idea this disney idea that you know we all hold that baby in our arms for the first time and fall completely in love doesn't happen for every woman and and we have to talk about that more we have to get that message out there that it might not happen for you and if it does that's an incredible thing we're you know that's amazing it's brilliant and if it doesn't it's very normal that it hasn't because you look what you've just been through you don't walk out of a car crash and go oh i'm so in love with yeah I don't know, who would it be <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. the person in the other car you know <laughs> it is you know it's a real it's a big moment it's labor I always say that like the word yes there's no secret about there's it a, there is it's a saved, secret in the word <laughs> it saves labor and I always find it, I mean, I'm a mom of three kids myself. And I think that the shock for me, especially with my firstborn, um, was going through labor and then feeling exhausted. There's no eight hours sleep or anything like that to, to kind of, you know, get yourself back to some semblance of normality. It's literally you labor, you go through whatever trauma or non-trauma, it doesn't matter, you're yeah. still tired. Even if you've had the most amazing birth, you're still going to feel tired. And then you're a mother. The baby's, you know. And not like, just that, 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 that thing that has caused all that pain. Yeah. <laughs> it's caught you through 
all of that. Exactly. I'm, I'm joking when I say that, just in case I'm not. Uh, no, I'm not. You're, no, you're not joking. Oh, I'm not joking. Not I'm joking. Not I'm not. Only, <laughs> <laughs> but not only has, has your body been wrecked by the process, or not always, I don't mean wrecked, but it's gone through this as, as the process. But then that baby wants to feed from your body as well, from your poor, broken body. I mean, there is there is something like absolutely phenomenal that we are able to do that, isn't there? We we have to talk about that in the same conversation, really. Just the the enormity of the power of womanhood that we can do that. That we can not only grow a baby, we can birth a baby, and then we can feed a baby straight after that. You know that is incredible. So yeah, I think it's um, it is. It's a really. It's. I. I think we these conversations do need to be more honest. We do need to open them up and to have. Yeah, just more candid discussions about this stuff. Thank you, Kate. You've been so open and I just think it's so good to have these type of conversations. And I'm, my hope is that somebody's going to listen in and they're going to hear and they're just going to feel seen. It's that invisibility you spoke about in the beginning. We need to continue to have these conversations so more women can see themselves in others. Yeah. And by doing so, heal. And by yes. doing so, heal. Absolutely. So I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. I'm going okay. to ask you, please, can you describe what it means to be a glow mama in three words? Go. A glow mama. Um, a glow mama is empowering. She is uh, supportive and she is um, exceptional. So, Kate, before you go, where can people find you online? Oh, well, come and find us on the Motherload for now on Facebook um if you just search the mother load uh within the group section we're we're the biggest what some people have tried to nick it you know but we're the biggest well one. you know it's a compliment isn't it I mean. yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> you're only doing something right when they do that otherwise yeah. you can go to our website at www.the-motherload.co.uk and obviously wherever else that you might want to search for us and Google. what about you and what about you Kate what about you Kate if somebody's like I really you know I really resonate with Kate today and I'd like to give her a follow and know what she's well, up to if you want to if you want to come and follow me on on Instagram you are very welcome I'm pretty boring I just post stuff about my house or my kids it's a very <laughs> basic instagram <laughs> what is it the underscore is it underscore mrs underscore kate underscore dyson so you can find me there Thank but you. Don't, don't be expecting a lot no. <laughs> that's what she says everyone go and give her a follow Thank you so much for listening to the Mama Magic podcast brought to you by the Glow Mama Award. Please share and rate this podcast and follow us on social media. That is Glow Mama UK. And if you want to keep up to date with all things Glow Mama, head over to www.glowmamaawards.com and sign up for our free newsletter.